You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farah of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Jesus himself said, you search the scriptures, you don't even realize that I'm in the scriptures. Jesus is in the Old Testament from Genesis 1-1 all the way through to Malachi. We owe a debt of gratitude to those who have went before us and painstakingly gone through the entirety of the Bible and found that Jesus the Christ is in every chapter of every book in the entire Bible. Due to the magnitude of what the New Testament teaches us about Jesus and His fulfillment of the law, believers sometimes have the tendency to discount the value of the Old Testament. But as Pastor J.D. reminds us in today's message, Jesus, being one with God, was present and active from the very beginning, and He shows up all throughout the Old Testament. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 122 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Psalm 122. Again, this is a song of ascents, but it's also a psalm of David. Verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, I love this psalm. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I can't wait to go to church. I cannot wait. When they said, hey, it's time, let's go. Oh, and by the way, this word glad, I'm sorry, you'll forgive me. Um, it's really actually uh, a poor translation from the original language of the Hebrew. It, it, this word for, translated glad in English is better translated this way, more than one word, ecstatic, excited, elated. I, I, when they said, hey, it's time to go to church, I was so excited. I can't wait. Verse 2, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up. There it is again, verse 4. The tribes of the Lord to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Now verse 6, uh, we, you've heard this so many times, we talk about it, we sing it. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I want to talk about that in just a moment. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. Because, verse 9, of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Do you get the impression that the Psalmist, in this case, David, is really excited about Jerusalem and the house of worship, the 
house of the Lord. This too is a, another favorite for many a saint. It's a magnificent expression of pure joy as it relates to the house of worship. I Try if you can to just bring it closer to home and see the house of the Lord as the church, where we assemble together as God's people, the assembling together. And by the way, that word is a game changer. Let me explain it. Actually, let me illustrate it. We don't just gather together. To gather together is to be a gathering. No, the word assemble is a stronger word. So here's the illustration, best illustration I ever heard. So this is my watch. Uh, by the way, it's a uh, Timex. Takes a licking and keeps on ticking. <laughs> yeah, so all the people that laughed, pretty much over 50 years old, I'm pretty sure. So you younger people, don't worry about it. We'll get back to you later on that. So anyway, it's a Timex. I got it for $39.95 off of Amazon. Okay, that's my watch, just so you know. See? Pretty nice, huh? If you're interested, I'll talk to you after the service. And <laughs> make you, I make you a very good deal. Okay, sorry. So here's, here's my watch, okay? Let's say that I had all of the parts, all of the intricate internal parts like the springs and all the mechanisms and the gears and all of that. And I had all of these parts and I just gathered them together and I put them there. Well, that's a gathering. It needs to be assembled, doesn't it, in order to function. Well, that's what the word assembling together means. We are different parts of the same body, the same watch, if you prefer. So when we're assembled together, and each of us as different parts of the body assembled together, well then that's functioning together as a church body. And that's why it is so important. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the custom of some. So I get the impression that David here is just so ecstatic and elated and excited about assembling together with God's people there in the temple in Jerusalem. And his description of even his prayer for peace what he's saying there, I believe, and I've always wondered about this verse 6 of Psalm 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's almost like um, a cruel oxymoron, and I'll explain what I mean by that. You know what the word Jerusalem means? In Hebrew, Yaru Shalom, city of peace. In Arabic, it's Jaru Salem, Salem Aleikum, in Arabic is peace be upon you. <laughs> so in other words, the name Jerusalem literally means, you were to translate it, it means city of peace. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The, Jerusalem, the city of peace, it's anything but. 
It's the antithesis of peace, especially in these, the last days in which we're living, where Jerusalem of all of the cities on all of planet earth is the one city that the entire world is obsessed with and intoxicated by. It is anything but peace. For those of you again, and I keep referring to this, I hope you don't mind, that have been to Israel with us. The last two, no, I think in 2015, those of you that went with us in 2015, we got to go up to the Temple Mount. But it was um, very, you can't take your Bibles up there. So we just took our phones with our Bibles on them up there. Yeah, they, they, it's, uh, you know, because it's controlled by the, the Muslims there on the Temple Mount. And it's so tense because the Muslims are there and, you know, you're, you're the, the Christian American tourists. And there you are up there. And so <laughs> anything but peace. But when he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I just kind of want to give you my take on that. Okay. First of all, I think it has a, a literal application and meaning that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem with the understanding that there will never be peace in Jerusalem until the new Jerusalem when the Prince of Peace, Jesus the Christ, rules and reigns. So in a sense, when you're saying pray for the peace of Jerusalem, what you're saying and praying for is, Lord, come quickly, hurry up and come so there can be peace in the new Jerusalem. I have another thought that I think is a little bit more practical and applicable as it relates to us here tonight. The place of worship, the house of worship, the church, if you prefer, should be a place of peace. I mean, let's just talk about tonight as we in the opening prayer, as I mentioned. I, I really look forward to Thursday nights. And I, don't get me wrong when I say this, but I actually enjoy teaching in the Old Testament more than I do. Oh man, I'm going to get some mail on this one. More than I do, even doing the prophecy updates, if you can imagine, and teaching in the New Testament. I'll explain why. There's a reason for it. The Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. When you have an understanding of the Old Testament, it brings alive and to life the New Testament. Did you know that the book of Revelation, probably the one book in all of the Bible that Christians are terrified of, and it, they've been deceived and have believed that it is a really hard book to understand. Not if you know the Old Testament. You know why? Over 90%, some believe even more, some believe the entirety of the book of Revelation is a direct reference to the Old Testament. In other words, when you know the Old Testament, the New Testament comes alive, and particularly when you get to the book of Revelation. Oh yeah, the sevenfold Spirit of God, that's in Isaiah. Oh, when, see, you have to understand, when this was written in 95 AD, it was illegal to be a Christian. And you were, you, you were put to death. In fact, John, the Apostle John, when he gets this revelation, he has been banished to the island of Patmos to die. 
And get this, we know this from, from church historians. This is after they threw John into a cauldron of boiling oil. And like Daniel in the lion's den, he's like, wow, thank you so much. I'll just take a, a nice oil <laughs> bath while I'm here. And he doesn't die. He, he comes out unscathed. They're like, what are we going to do with this guy? We can't kill him. So they banish him to the island of Patmos. And that's where he receives the revelation. And so this writing of the book of Revelation is sent to these churches in these seven churches. These were literal churches that existed in Asia Minor. We know it today as modern day Turkey. And it was almost like, you know, because they had to, they would read all the mail. This was literally mailed in a postal route to these churches, and they would read these letters aloud to the churches, as they did with many of the Apostle Paul's letters. It was read by the pastor of the church out loud to the church, these epistles that we know today as Scripture and the canon of Scripture. So they would have understood it, and it would have made no sense to those who were reading it and screening it, and so they're going to read, you know, the, the seven, you know, lampstands and the sevenfold spirit and the eyes like fire. And like, man, these nutcases, go ahead and let them get the mail. And uh, that's fine, pass it on. But these Christians in that day would have understood every word that was written because they knew the Old Testament Scripture. Jesus Himself said, you search the Scriptures, you don't even realize that I'm in the Scriptures. Jesus is in the Old Testament from Genesis 1-1 all the way through to Malachi. We owe a debt of gratitude to those who have went before us and painstakingly gone through the entirety of the Bible and found that Jesus the Christ is in every chapter of every book in the entire Bible. Jesus is there. The Old Testament, everything points to the person of Jesus Christ. For those of you who have been with us on Thursday nights through the study of the Old Testament, we started in the book of Genesis, and it's taken us 14 years, I think, to get to the Psalms at this rate. We will not finish the Bible before the rapture, at least I hope not. <laughs> that would mean the Lord would really tarry. <laughs> But our study through Genesis, Jesus is there. Exodus, Jesus is there. Leviticus, Jesus is there. Numbers, Jesus is really there. Who knew? The book of Numbers, right? Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, I mean the typology even in the Old Testament. And here certainly we see this to be the case in the Psalms as well. But again, I think that for us, a, a takeaway, if you will, is that we need to pray for our church. Does that sound self-serving? Forgive me if it does. Pray for the peace of this assembly. Pray for the peace of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. This church should always be a Jerusalem, if you will, a house of peace a sanctuary of peace, a place that we can come and assemble together, a safe place 
safe pasture, a peaceful place. My goodness, what we go through out there, and you more than me, as a pastor, oh man, I got it pretty good. I mean, you guys, you're out there in the world, you're out there on the front lines, and I mean, you're hearing this stuff all day. I, I, you know what I say, I jokingly say, I don't get out much. That's really true. I really don't get out much. I, I, I'm usually in my office, I'm working, I'm studying, I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm, you know. And so every once in a while I'll get out, I'll go to the store and buy pumpkin seeds. Yeah, there I said it. And I'll go into the store and the first thing I'll think of is, man, this is what it's like out here. I look around, I look at people, wow, people are actually live here where I live, and they go to the same store, and these are people, and they have lives, and I'm so, you know, almost isolated, and uh, too much so. And But you, I know many of you, uh, you're out there, and isn't it a reprieve, and a reprieve, and a relief when you can come to this church, and you're amongst the body of Christ, the brethren, and you don't have to, you know, they, they are, they are, I am peace, they are war. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray that this place will always be a place of peace, and with it, joy. I think joy and peace are roommates. You know the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians, love, joy, peace. When you have that joy of the Lord, and that peace of the Lord, oh, that's what this place should be. You know what's sad? Not many churches are that way. We're going to actually, Lord willing, on Sunday talk about this. The Lord showed me something this last week that, I'm not kidding you, I mean, for years I've always wondered why it is that there's church conflict. I mean, I've been in the business world, and I've, you know, started and owned two businesses. I've started and pastored two churches. And I got to tell you, and I, I, as God is my witness, I have seen, not, not talking about here, and I'm so thankful for this. By the way, this is why I always say, and I really mean it, that it is such a privilege to be the pastor of this church. This is an amazing church. And I thank all of you for making the pastorate such a joy. You make it such a joy to be the pastor of this church. I tell when we have online members come and visit, and they, they always comment, and I thank you for this, that, you know, you guys just love on them, make them feel so welcome. And I, that just blesses this pastor's heart. And I will say something to them like, Listen, if I wasn't the pastor of this church, this is where I would go to church, if for no other reason, because of the food that's in the kitchen after the... <laughs> no, but it's such a loving church, and not many pastors can, can say that. And it's been my experience that some of the things that you uh, see in churches today, you would never see in the business world, in the secular arena. And so for years I've always just kind of wondered, and then 
it just, the Lord just really ministered it to me through another book I'm reading by Roy Hessian. It's the follow-up to the Calvary Road, the book, We Would See Jesus. And he explains very clearly, and it just, you know how when the light bulb goes off, and so here we are in Colossians, and I'm reading this, and it just hits me. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Psalm 123, another song of ascents. Verse 1, unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Pardon me. Behold, verse 2, this is interesting. As the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until He has mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. Well, (laughs) short psalm, short in length, but very powerful in its strength. Here the psalmist is highlighting and emphasizing this anticipation, expectation really, that the mercy of God is coming. And this comparison to the hand made the servant looking to the signal of the master. Now picture the scene, this is where the cultural dynamics really come in handy as it relates to our understanding. Okay, so let's just uh, rewind to this kind, this, this culture in this day. So you have the servant and the master is there and they're uh, eating and breaking bread with the guests there at the table. Now the servant is to stand there and wait. Now the master is not going to interrupt the conversation that's taking place around the dinner table. Instead, he's going to have hand signals to the servant. Bring more hummus, lots of hummus, that's two fingers. That means (laughs) more hummus, okay. This is what he's saying. I'm looking to my master, I'm looking to the Lord, waiting with this anticipation, this expectation. I'm just waiting for that hand signal. What's the hand signal for? It's not to bring hummus, it's to bring mercy. Be merciful, O God. I am waiting as a servant does with their master. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving Creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. 
Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 